if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking today at the second chapter of the book of Ruth. Now, it's not a coincidence totally that we're looking at the book of Ruth here on this particular day that we see as Valentine's Day because Ruth is a love story that is found in the Bible. We looked last week at the introduction to a couple of the characters. We focused primarily on Naomi, but we were introduced to Ruth. If you have not read the background material, I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you want to go online, pick up the podcast if you want to hear a little bit about chapter one, but we're going to be looking today at chapter two. Now, I oftentimes question whether or not I should have an extended reading um, because, you know, in this day and age, we have trouble focusing, we have trouble keeping attention, but in the New Testament, the Bible says that part of what we're supposed to do is to dedicate ourselves to the public reading of the Word. That's what Paul and Timothy talk about. So I want to invite you, we're going to read, it's again, just around 22 verses. It's going to take a couple of minutes, but I'm going to read the entirety of Ruth chapter 2. So if you don't mind, would you stand? I know um, I'm going to just stand. It's nothing magical about standing, but there is a certain amount of respect that we give to the Holy Scriptures. In Ruth chapter 2, the Bible says, Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, All right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvester. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over to Ruth and said, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked, for I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among the complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope to continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz told his young men, let her gather grain right up among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out some of the heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from the meal. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. 
She said, the man I work with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvests until the entire harvest is complete. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked right alongside the women in Boaz's field and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer, and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. May God bless the public reading of his word. You may be seated. Now in chapter 2, we are introduced in the first verse to the third major character that we find in the book of Ruth. Last week we were introduced to Naomi, the father-in-law, the, the wife of Elimelech, who left because of the famine, had some very difficult times. While in Moab, where they had <clears throat> moved to, we learned the story of Ruth and Orpha, and we saw in Ruth this very dedicated and devoted daughter-in-law who refused to leave Naomi and came back to the region of Judah there in the particular place of Bethlehem. And so we pick the story up being introduced to this third character who is a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem, and his name is Boaz. He happens to be related to Naomi's husband who de who's deceased, Elimelech. And so we now enter into a narrative where the description of how Ruth meets Boaz. Now, as the story unfolds through the next few chapters, the whole story is really about Ruth and Boaz, and there are lots of themes that are there. And so there's a number of things that we could talk about that, that are actually projections even of, of how God works with us, Christ, through this idea of the kinsman redeemer, and there's a number of things there. But on this particular day, Valentine's Day, I want us to look at 10 qualities that we see in the life or in this episode between Ruth and Boaz and Naomi that, that are really descriptive or qualities of true love. Now, there are many things we could talk about, but we're going to, and these are not exhaustive or they're not exclusive, but we will see within this episode 10 qualities of true love. Now, why do I say true love, boys and girls, men and women? Because the world defines love in many ways, all right? And we, we oftentimes buy into Hollywood's version of what? True love, which actually is not true love according to the Bible. True love according to the Bible is much larger. It's much more exhaustive. It's much deeper than romantic or erotic love that we are shown in the movies. Now, there is a part of that to it. But as Christians, we have to embrace the idea that, that God's love, this agape love that we talk about, is much deeper and it's much truer than the world's false version or its incomplete picture of love. Much, much of the world's unhappiness, much of the world's brokenness, much of society's problems stem from people misunderstanding what true love is. And so, my boys and girls, I want you Parents, I want you, I want myself to be reminded of what the qualities of true love is. The first one that we see, the first quality that is, becomes very apparent here, that is a quality of true love, is respect. I want you to look right here at just a few of the 
passages that we see right here that describe and show us the interaction. The first one in verse 2 says, One day Ruth says to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields. You see, she respects her mother-in-law enough that she's kind of following the customs. Respect is a huge part of love. The true version of love is to respect. While she was there, listen, look look at Boaz. Boaz, we already know, is what? A very wealthy and influential person, meaning he he is a man of means, okay? But yet, when he arrives from Bethlehem out into the working fields, what does he do? He greets his workers. He says, the Lord be with you. And we can determine by their response to him that what? They respect him. He respects the workers. They respect him. Respect is so important. Respect is a quality of true love. If you think you love someone, but you don't respect them or you don't treat them in a respectful way, you're missing the mark. Look right here. She even asks if she could gather work behind. She respects the workers enough to say, hey, I'm not just going to come take. I'm going to do what? I'm going to follow a respectful attitude. In verse 10, probably the, the, a demonstration of respect, she says what? She falls at his feet whenever he comes to talk to her as a sign of respect. Respect is a quality that is necessary for true love to take place. If there's no respect, there is no true love. Now, that's not the only quality. The second quality that I believe is a part of true love is this concept of work. Look, if you don't think it takes work to make love happen, you're dreaming, all right? Work is a part of life. It's an integral part of everything, and it's a part of true love. And we see that in this love story, work plays a very interesting role. The whole story begins as what? As Ruth sets out to do what? Go work. She's going to actually pick up grain, actually physically work. Whenever the foreman describes Ruth, what does he say about her? He says she has been at hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. So like she's really out there sticking to it. She's working. And and I don't want to make too much of this, but look, if you want to have a quality that is a part of being a person who has true love, you got to work at it you got to put some effort into it. It's not going to just happen. In Boaz's life, we know he was a worker. You don't become wealthy and influential in this world if you're not a worker. So he's, he's worked to earn his way. Not only that, he's out there at harvest. A lot of wealthy and influential people aren't out there taking care of business. What are they doing? They're sitting at the house, maybe collecting money or living off of something else. But Boaz is is working. He's a person who works. The latter part of the chapter, it says what? Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's field. She continued working with them through the wheat harvest. Look, I don't think that this can be overemphasized. A person who truly loves is willing to work. They'll do whatever it takes. They'll work at it if in whatever relationship that is. If it's, a, if it's a romantic relationship between a husband and wife, they'll be willing to work to make that a good relationship. If it's father to children, if it's mother to children, if it's friendship. Listen, and I don't know that there's anyone who worked harder to show his love than Jesus, right? He came to this earth and humbled himself, and we're going to talk more about that. So work is a quality of true love. 
The third quality that I want to look at is one, and this one I don't want to get misunderstood, but it is important, and that's attraction. Or maybe a better word would be interest. All right? See, to have true love, you need to have some attraction. And I don't necessarily mean physical attraction here, even though that could be a part of it. Because, you know, whenever we think about our Valentine, we need to be attracted to them, right? We need to have some interest in them when we think about a love relationship. And we see that right here. You know, if you really look into the story, look at some of this right here. When you see, when Boaz comes to the field, he comes to work. What does he say? What's the first thing he says after he greets everybody? He says, whoa, who's, who's that? Who, I mean, we got somebody new on the scene right here, okay? Who, who is that woman over there, okay? So he has an attraction, an interest in her. We're going to talk about how the next one in a moment, though, it's appropriate, and he uses discretion, but let's, we're not going to go there yet. Look right here, another quote. Look what he says right here. After she responds to him, he says, I know who you are. He had a little interest. He had done a little background. He wasn't just taken by surprise when he saw her. Once he knew who she was and they told him, he had done a little research. He had a little interest in her. Look at some of her responses to him. I hope I continue to please you, sir. So look, she's interested in Boaz. Boaz has an interest in her. There's an attraction that's going on here. At mealtime, after they've worked, look what Boaz says. Hey, come, come over here. You know what I mean? He's interested. Listen, if you truly love somebody, you're interested in what they're doing. You want to know about what's going on. You have an attraction to their life, to who they are, all of these types of things. Whenever Naomi, when Ruth gets back to Naomi, look what she says. She says, hey, the man I work with today, his name is Boaz, and Naomi talks about how good that is. And then in 21, you almost kind of get this interest that she has here. This isn't just a random encounter. Then Ruth says, what's more? He even told me to come back and to stay with his harvesters. So you almost get the daughter-in-law and mother-in-law here talking. Look, there's more to it than that. I mean, he wants me to come back. He invited me to be a part of this. There is interest and attraction. You know, God is interested in us. He finds us extremely attractive. Now, don't default to some physical sexual sense. That's a misconstrued way of thinking about things, okay? It's interest. It's desire. We sing some of our most passionate worship songs about how God desires to have a relationship with us. This is one of the important qualities of true love is attraction and interest and desire. What are we interested in? What are we attracted to? What do we desire? How many people, how many of us, have gotten off track because we've misappropriated attraction, misappropriated interest and desire in the form of things, the form of electronic images, in the form of other people? Again, a twist, a distortion of the real quality of attraction and interest that God shows us and what we saw here in this example. And that's why the fourth thing that's important to understand, and it goes along with attraction, I believe, is this idea of discretion. See, discretion is something we have lost much of in this world today. If you look at what discretion means, I put it up there on the deal for you. Discretion is the quality of behaving 
are speaking appropriately to avoid causing offense or revealing private information. How many people in this world today do not know how to act with discretion or speak with discretion? All they do is blab their personal business. They just talk about things they don't need to talk about. At times, they don't need to talk about them. This is so important, boys and girls. One of the true qualities of love is to act and to speak with discretion. I put a verse up there because this is a verse we look at, my family and I have looked at uh, in Proverbs. It's, it's really appropriate here. Listen to what this verse says. It says, as a ring of gold in a swine's snout. So is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. See, the Bible says that just like putting a fine piece of gold in the snout of a pig, which you don't want to do, they put a ring in a pig's snout, so what? Because he's rooting around in the mud. You don't do that. That's, that don't, that's, that's not appropriate. Guess what, young ladies? It's not appropriate to act and to speak without discretion. Please don't buy into this world's belief and this world promoting to you that you that you should talk about anything, that you should wear anything, that you should go anywhere. No, it's about behaving and speaking appropriately. This is what a quality of true love is, the true love that God has for us and that he wants us to have for each other. Discretion is such an important thing. And we see it right here in this. Look, what, what, is, what does um, Boaz say to her? He tells the young man, don't you treat her roughly? Treat her appropriately? That's discretion. Look, don't give someone a hard time, he tells them, because look, in this particular world, they could be, I mean, there's, it's a brutal world in the ancient world, especially for maybe a foreign woman, young woman, talk, you know, can you imagine, men, how the workers in the field may have talked to these girls? You know what I'm saying? Who were unattached and didn't have that. And so Boaz explained, you know, he, he orders them to use discretion and appropriate language and stuff like that whenever he's taught, when he tells them how to talk to her. Who does she belong to? I like that part of it too. Is he appropriates his attraction. Before he engages into a conversation with her or shows interest to her, what does he say? Is, is she with somebody? Because in this world, it was different, boys and girls. It was different in the sense that you didn't, they didn't just get to pick. It was, a, it was a far, you know, the ancient world. And so women were attached to someone and it was through arranged marriages and different things like that. And so what does he do? He wants to make sure that it's appropriate for him, for him to be talking to her and to have this interest in her. And then even when he invites her over, to eat with him, where does she sit? With the harvesters, because that's the appropriate thing to do in their day. So we see this idea of discretion. Of course, and then that leads us to the fifth quality of true love. True love shows protection. It protects people that it cares about. Look what it says right there, a number of these. He warns them not to treat, the, treat her roughly protecting her from all of these other things that's inappropriate and some of these things that, that she doesn't need to be subjected to. Says what? Take it easy. Don't give her a hard time. And then he goes and says, look, I want you to stay right here with us. Stay with my crew throughout the entire harvest so that you can be okay. 
And we know that this is all right, this is important, this is protecting her, because Naomi says what? At the end of this, says, hey, stay, stay with him because you might be harassed in other fields, but you will be safe with his crew. True love protects those that it loves. You know, one of the things that, that you and I have to remember is that if we're going to truly love someone, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our kids, our family members, there's an element of protection to that. All right, we have to protect those that we love. Now, it's it's a little different in the modern world because thankfully we have a lot of law and order and, and for the most part, we don't live in a barbaric society where people just run roughshod and, and kill and do all those things like that. Hopefully we never get back to that. But we still have to be aware of what's going on so that we can protect the people that we love, protect them from enemies without. Protection from things that are within. Because listen, danger and trouble comes from all directions. And as a, as a person who loves and truly loves, whether it's a spouse or a kid, we have to be a part of protecting those that we love from things that are harmful. Sometimes people don't like protection because sometimes protection causes restriction. Boys and girls know about that word, right? Because sometimes they get restricted. But what is the restriction for? Oftentimes it's to protect them from things that are dangerous. And that is an important part of true love. You know, when you think about your spouse, your significant other, we're supposed to protect each other, protect all the different things about, you know, protect the intimacy, protect um, the time. And we don't all do a good job at that. I'll confess, I'm not always very good at that. You know, I tend to, to not focus and take for granted certain things in my own relationship as many do and this is unfortunate and it's something that we should learn from and get better at the sixth quality that we see here in the story is this idea of provision you see there boaz especially here demonstrates that a, a quality of love is providing and of course this is a model for god but look at all the ways that he shows provision towards ruth I mean, by allowing her to have grain. I mean, she's literally almost, you know, doesn't have anything. They don't have, they don't have a farm, a working farm. We're going to find out later that they have property, but there's nothing kind of happening with that. So, I mean, she's literally out there having to go behind people to, to get enough food to bring home. I mean, so she's on the social services of the day. All right, she's literally out there. I don't, I'm not, she's working for it, but she's out there trying to get enough. And Boaz does what? He makes sure that she has plenty to eat. He wants to make sure that she has water. He wants to make sure not just in the here, but even later he tells the other the young workers. He says, "Look, drop a little extra for her so that she has enough for her family." And so he he's providing for her needs. And this is an important part of true love is provision. You know, we're supposed to provide for the ones that we love. We're supposed to take care of them. Now, unfortunately, in this world, oftentimes we spend a lot of energy and money working on people's wants and neglecting what they need. Get your mind wrapped around that a minute. Don't expend all the money and all the energy and all the effort on someone's wants that you love at the expense of their needs. Because sometimes their needs are different from their wants. But we are called to provide for them. God provides for us, doesn't he? And we 
oftentimes are provided way more than we deserve. So often we say that here, right? Man, we've been blessed way more than we deserve. That's the kind of God that we serve. He loves us so much that He provides so many things for us. But His provision is something that we're supposed to emulate to others in the relationships that we have. Next quality we see here, humility. Look, true love has an element of humility to it. Look, whenever Boaz shows her this provision, this protection, and demonstrates his concern and interest in her, what does she do? She fell at his feet and she thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? Ruth was a person who demonstrated her humility. How many of our relationships are not working out well because we won't demonstrate humility? We all struggle, don't we? Because we want to be in charge. We want to be a be about us. We want to be important. Ruth understood that humility was humbling yourself before someone, and so she did that. I mean, you don't fall at anyone's feet because you think you're great. This is an act of demonstrating their importance and your lack of importance or lack of being something. That's not mean that you're unimportant because we're all important in God's eyes. It's just, it's a, it's a demonstration of His importance. And this humility is something that was emulated by God through Jesus Christ more than any of us could imagine. We've looked at this passage before. Look what Philippians chapter 2, verses 6, 8 says. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Look at this. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. See, Jesus modeled humility, a quality of true love. He loved us so much that he humbled himself so that you and I could be right with God. If you want to truly love someone, you have to be humble. And you have to demonstrate that humility in your relationships. But it's not just humility. Next, look at this, gratitude. Look what we see, gratitude. The whole story, really, they're all so gracious. But look at a couple of things right here. She falls at his feet, and look, she thanks him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? I think about Naomi's response. Hey, where'd you gather all this grain today? Today, And what she says, she says, may the Lord bless the one who helped you. You know, a quality of true love is gratitude. Do you show gratitude in your relationships as a part of the way that you love? I mean, are you thankful to the person for the kind and nice things that they do? Do you show them gratitude for what they mean to you, for how they treat you and all of these types of things? See, gratitude is a huge part of true love. Throughout the Hebrew Scriptures and even into the New Testament, what does it talk about? Give thanks to the Lord. Always giving thanks. Because if you have a heart full of gratitude, then you are on the right track. And you're open to experiencing true love. Number nine, recognition. 
What do you mean? What do you mean by recognition? We oftentimes think of this sometimes in a bad way, but but recognition, recognizing someone for what they've done, is a part of true love. Look right here. He says, Boaz says, "I know everything about what you've done for your mother and all." He, what, how you left your father and mother, and how you came to live here. You remember, remember the passage where she said to to Naomi, "Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. Where you die, I die. No matter what, I'm." With you, so so Boaz has heard enough to know, man, that this is a person who's tremendously loyal, and she, he recognizes that in her, and he shows recognition by telling her. I mean, Naomi, of course, she recognizes it, and she she gives recognition to Boaz. May the Lord bless him, and says he's one of this. So so recognition is something that's important. I mean, we should recognize the people that we love for the good things that they do. When they, when they do the right thing in this, in our, with our children, we, we show them recognition for, for what they've done. Now, we're not heaping false praise, and we're not trying to build up little maniac egos, but what are we doing? We're, we're recognizing them for what they've done in an appropriate way. Our spouses, our significant others, do we recognize them and show them appropriate recognition for what they've done? Do we do this? This is a quality that we see. How do we know this is not just, just some part of the story? Well, look, look at, look at the second part of this declaration in Philippians. Go to that for me in the, the second part here in Philippians chapter two. What I've got highlighted it there. After Jesus humbles himself and after he shows tremendous humility, what does God do? God recognizes him. He elevates him to the place of highest honor, and he gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that's recognition. That's the highest place of recognition. And the place of recognition was a result of Jesus' humility and his obedience and his true love for humanity. See, recognition is a good thing. That's why we like to recognize our boys and girls when they do good things, whenever they win, whenever they succeed, because recognition is a part of true love. And many, many people, many people in this world are stuck, stunted, struggling because they have not received recognition from someone who claims to have loved them. And they may have loved them, but in their love, they did not include any of the recognition. And so they're striving and they're struggling to get it, which is why we, and we you and I, need to incorporate this quality as we love those in our lives to offer them recognition. And number 10, the 10th quality that we see here is kindness. I mean, look at all the verses here. She starts off, hey, I, I'm, she said, I'm, I'm going to go do this if there's anyone who's kind enough to let me do it. They're again, gracious, humble. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she says to Boaz? You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me. Naomi says, may the Lord bless him for he is showing his kindness to us. You know, kindness is a very important quality of true love. If we love someone, we're going to treat them kindly. Boaz here doesn't just treat them kindly. What does he do? He speaks to them kindly, shows them kindness. How many of us 
have experienced people that did love us but didn't treat us kindly. It was a disconnect, right? We do this to our spouses. We have a tendency to do this with our children and with the people in our lives because why? In our familiarity, we lose the importance that truly loving people is to treat them with kindness. You know, whenever we look at a passage like this and we think about what we can learn from an episode, I say this often and it bears repeating again. The reason that particular stories were included in the Bible were so that we could learn from them. You know, if you take a thousands of years of God's people interacting with others, I mean, there's thousands of stories that could have been recorded. So we ask ourselves, why is this particular story recorded for us? What can we learn from this story? And certainly there are many lessons, but today one of the things that we need to learn are these ten qualities that, that the characters of this story demonstrated for us to understand better true love. Because the true love, the truest love, the pinnacle of all love is what? God's love for us. And so as people, when we live out our purpose and we truly act as we should and we truly become what we're supposed to be, we're reflecting, you remember the whole be the moon thing, we're reflecting true love to our personal relationships with our family, with our kids. And so so these qualities, what I want us to look at is this, okay? God demonstrates perfectly all of these. And there's others. These are not an exhaustive list, by the way. These are just 10 I chose from the story. But I want you to grade yourself. I've graded myself, and I wasn't happy with my grade. You know, it's amazing how you look at, hey, what I'm doing, man, I I have a lot of room to work. I need to improve in this area in my life. In your relationships, your love relationships with your wife, husband, kid, people in your life, are you showing respect? Are you working at it? Are you taking it for granted? Are you attracted to them and really interested in what they're doing? Are you so self-consumed that you can't be interested in them because all you're really interested in is yourself? Do you show discretion, act, speak appropriately? Or do you just tell everybody everything that's going on and get things all twisted up because you can't act with discretion? Do you seek to protect those that you love? Are you living out that? Do you offer provision? Do you work hard to make sure that everybody's taken care of? Gratitude, are you thankful to them? Do you show it? Or are you like a silent gratitude person? That's where I fall short a lot of times. I just think it's an assumption. And look, we all know what happens when we assume this is not a good thing, all right? We need to tell people and show people that we're thankful. Are we humble? Do we demonstrate humility? Or are we so full of pride that we can't do it? Do we recognize the people that we love for the good things that they do? Or are we so harsh that we want them to do better? Or how about this? Some can't recognize the good things that people do because they're still holding on to the bad things that they did. 
They can't forgive. They can't let go of the bad to recognize today's good. Kind. Are you showing kindness to the people that you love? Now, if you're honest, you're going to see that there's some room for you to work, in, if not all of one or two or three or all or me, all of them, okay? If you're honest, you know this, and it's okay. Because we are imperfect beings who are struggling to become who God wants us to be. And since we can't always hit the mark, the greatest news of all is that God loves us in a perfect way. You know, our closing song today is really the perfect picture of how love really manifests itself. And it's an older song some of you may have heard. It's at the cross, love ran red. You see, if you aren't loving people the way that you should, God will forgive you. But He should also inspire you to try to be better, to do better because of what He did. His great, perfect love for all of us. Let's pray. Father, as we think about your great love for us, may we try to love the people in our life with your true love in the ways that you taught us through this passage and through many others. We need your help. We're grateful, Lord, for your forgiveness. I pray that each of us would look to you as our model to love those in our lives. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.